0: Welcome, everyone, to Behind the Braves, the official podcast of the Atlanta Braves. I'm your host, Atlanta Braves Digital Media Content Manager Ricky Mast, and I'll be joined shortly... By my co-host, Director of Braves Alumni Relations Greg McMichael, we're really happy to be kicking off a a new year, new season of Behind the Braves here. Hope you all had a great holiday break and uh, enjoying a very happy new year so far here in 2024. And uh, we thought, what better way to kick off the new year than with our new broadcaster, of course, uh, CJ Nikowski. He's going to be uh, joining. Brandon Gauden in the Bally Sports South Booth as the, the lead analyst for our Braves games on television this year. So really excited about that. Long time br- behind the Braves listeners. Probably remember we had CJ on uh, a couple years ago, back in the summer of 2021, actually, which we we mentioned a little bit with CJ in the interview. And uh boy, we just we loved having him on then. Uh, he's joining us from Texas Rangers, where he's most recently been the the lead analyst there. Of course, if you we watching, uh, watching baseball last year. The Rangers had a pretty good year last year, and uh, the last time we had C.J. on, the Braves had a pretty good darn good year. So we figured let's get this new year started and get the, the, the good luck and the good vibes going with C.J. Nikowski, uh on Behind the Braves. So without further ado, let's get right into it. Here he is, C.J. Nikoski. Well, CJ, welcome back to the show. Uh, We've
1: got just uh, a good time here where we can talk about what's happening with you. We're super excited about you joining the Atlanta Braves family and, uh, of course, being an alumni and being a part of – uh, our association didn't get to participate much because you're always uh, working back and forth from coasts and different teams, but uh, you've just had an incredible career to this point. I was so excited when I saw that uh, we had a chance to sign you and you signed back with the team. So I think this is just going to be incredible. Your family has to be ecstatic, right?
2: Yeah, I think we're still pinching ourselves a little bit, quite (laughs) honestly. The idea that we're actually going to be home. You know, we've lived here for 18 years, but I've always been on the road working. And I kind of started backtracking a little bit and thinking back even to my career. I was fortunate to play for 19 years. I've been in broadcasting for 11, so 30 years now in the game. There's been one month over those 30 years where I've actually been living in my primary residence going to work. That's been it. That's incredible. one month over the 30 you years. You sound like a ball player. Yeah, pretty much. And so for my <laughs> wife, as we went through these conversations of even the possibility, we got really excited. But at the same time, we had a really good thing in Texas with the Rangers, and it's a good organization. And the idea of giving up something that was working out really well and, and you know, taking a chance and, and doing something new, uh, there was some emotion involved. But we are now to the point where you know, we realize, obviously, it's happened. Everybody's really excited. And even walking back in here today. So the last time I walked in here was my first interview that I had with Derek and Alex and Terry and so there was some nervousness to that for me and I took a little picture outside I said you never know take a picture maybe this will <laughs> be something we can you know laugh about somewhere down the road eventually and even walking back in the second time the difference in the feeling of like I gotta go and make a really good impression and hopefully have a good interview and now knowing that I'm the guy it's it kind of even took me uh, back a little bit and almost
1: by surprise walking back in here today. Well you've got a great team that you're working with um, you know Brandon and uh, Frenchie and Glav so I mean that's got to be a lot of fun getting to work with those guys and of course you know you got to, you went from a world series team and now you got you coming over to a potential world series you know team as well so you haven't you went. It's kind of a lateral move, but I would say it's probably an upgrade since you get to be at home. I mean, that's got to be put things over the top.
2: It is. I mean, it works out really well that this happens to be a great organization that is in an unbelievable place right now with an opportunity to win consistently, not just win a little bit. Like As everybody here knows, what they've done with the contracts and the way they've put this roster together, uh, this is built to be a long-term winner. And this is probably the envy of most of the league. And so to be able to step into that on the broadcast side, in my first six years in Texas, uh, they were sub 500 team every year a combined 124 games under 500 in six years and so they they made some big moves and spent a lot of money but even going into that past just past year it's like well what kind of turnaround can you really have right you lost 100 plus games two years ago nearly 100 uh the previous year could you really turn around and become a serious contender and the way that they did and then to go on the run that they went on it really was very unexpected uh quite honestly they limped into the postseason big time Mm. they had really rough last uh series and to go on to win the world series and and to be able to say, Hey, I'm actually, you know, leaving a world series winner. Uh, It was kind of wild. I was having a conversation uh, with somebody and looking at some things that I'd written down and the idea that we're going back and saying, looking like where you were, say a year ago, and that there would be a sentence that said uh, CJ left the world championship, Texas Rangers to take a job with the Atlanta Braves makes absolutely no sense to me that that would have been (laughs) a real sentence Mm. in my life this year. Like None of it none of it seems to add up, so uh, we continue to be blown
0: away and uh, really excited. Well, CJ, I went back and looked, and when we last had you on over Zoom, it was uh, mid to late July of 2021, so it was about two weeks after that, the Atlanta Braves took off and ended, ended up winning the World Series, so I'd like to think we went ahead and got ahead of the CJ bounce <laughs> and just did it earlier this year, so we don't have to kind of hover around 500 for halfway through the year. We'll just... just Start the run of the World Series No open day go. this time. I like it. So
1: Yeah, I love welcome, that idea.
0: Welcome here. It's so great to have you here. Um, I know, I, I, so Ben Ingram's a good, good friend of mine, and I know that when we heard Frenchie was kind of wanting to take a little step back and spend some more time uh, at home, I know you were somebody that Ben was very high on wanting to, to have here as part of the, the family. How did that the, the gig come about? How did you first hear and how did that process go that led up to your your meeting with Alex, Derek and Terry? So it was a couple of phone
2: calls. Uh, you know, actually Frenchie two years ago very loosely mentioned to me that he may be thinking about potentially stepping back and it was I think the, the Braves were in town in Arlington maybe in April of 22 or May whenever it was but it was early in the season and he, he's like hey would you ever be interested in, in doing Braves games I'm like what kind of dumb question is that yeah the answer is yes <laughs> um, and but he mentioned kind of where he was but it didn't happen right nothing happened in 22 and, and it seemed like everything was the same nothing came of it uh, later in the season this year I want to say probably around the middle of September I got a phone call from John Smoltz uh, who was fortunate to play with here. And then, you know, been around quite a bit in broadcasting. We live pretty close uh, to each other. And he said, Hey, I think this job's going to open up. Frenchie's going to drop back. And it seems like this is real now. And I think you'd be perfect for it. And uh, he's like, let me know. Let you know, want you know what's out there and let me know what I can do to help, which is just, I mean, to awesome. get a, call, a phone call like that from John Smoltz <laughs> is, you know, it's, it was really amazing. And so I was very appreciative of that. And then I actually heard from Ben. Uh, ben sent me a, a direct message, uh, said, Hey, I want to reach out to you about something that may be going on here. And I said, I was actually getting... Re- pretty close to reaching out to you. <laughs> and so we connected and we talked and then Frenchie had reached out to me as well again and say, this is, this is going to happen now for me. I am going to step back and it seems like you'd be the, the perfect fit or at least the guy that should be considered uh, for this job. And so all of that, quite honestly, it's really humbling. Uh, it's really appreciated. You know, you just go along and do your job, right? You're just trying mm-hmm. to do your work and you, and you start getting phone calls like that from people that you really respect in the industry for what would be a dream job. And I already had a pretty close to a dream job as it was. Uh it just it blows me away. And so that's how the conversation got started. Then I got in touch with uh, Derek, reached out to him, sent in some things, and the Rangers were going on their World Series run, so things kind of got pushed back a little bit. Uh, and then eventually the, the ball got rolling
0: and, and we went through the process, and ultimately they, they made mm. me the offer. So I, I having seen you, listened to you, watched you over the years on whether it's XM, Rangers games, I mean – Everywhere you've been. And then also Brandon Godden was our his first year with us here last year. We've had him on the show. And how he just he instantly I mean, fans loved him from, from the get-go. So from having listened to you over the years, I feel like the two of you are going to be such a great team. Mm-hmm. I just feel like the on-air chemistry is going to be there from day one. Have you had a chance to, to talk with Brandon yet? So I hope you're right.
2: Uh, yes, we uh, <laughs> exchanged some text messages. We're going to get together next week, uh, so we look forward to that. I said hello to him when they were in town this past year and congratulate him. I also reached out to him when he got the job last offseason just to congratulate him. But we haven't spent much time together at all. I think you're right. You know, I've been going back and watching a lot of games. I started doing this really quite honestly, probably for the middle of October when I realized this could be a possibility and not that I didn't see Braves baseball, but obviously, you know, working as much as I did, I'm not going to see as many games. Uh, and so I've been watching a good amount of the season and, you know, looking for things and picking up on how Brandon works and, you know, where he is, uh, a lot of different things you look for in a broadcast partner, just wondering how you would work together. And I was watching, I think it was game four of the season when they were in St. Louis, right. They opened up in the road last year. And then that second trip to St. Louis, uh, the subject of Tommy boy came up the movie <laughs> and Brandon actually botched the reference, which was great. Like, I love that. Like I love mistakes and he'll learn this about me really quickly. Like I obviously you want to have a really clean broadcast and do a good job, but we all listen, we're all human beings. And so when I make a mistake, like I want him to know, have at it, have fun. <laughs> I'm not, my ego is not going to get in the way just so you know, but it's also going to be coming your way when you make a <laughs> <that certain laughs> mistake. And so he had a reference that he thought was from black sheep, but it was actually from Tommy boy and they were going back and forth and Frenchie was like, Oh, I think that's from Tommy. Tommy boy. He's like, nope, it's from Black Sheep. And then all of a sudden, Frenchie was getting text messages from people. I'm like, that's right up my alley. I know we're supposed to pay attention to the game. But those are the kind of things that's that right. I will find entertaining and fun and knowing we can poke fun mm-hmm. uh, at each other. I had a great partner in Dave Raymond for seven years. He was upset uh, to see me leave. But I think that's the one thing about you know having a good broadcast partner is that humility, um, You know, the confidence and the belief in yourself that you know you can make fun of each other. And mm-hmm. I think hopefully he'll pick up on that pretty quickly uh, about me. Uh, yes, it's going to be about the game. But you know we're going to have some
1: fun too. I don't know if you know this, but um, every time we sign uh, another alumni, my pay goes up. Oh, so thank congratulations! You.
2: Yeah, <laughs> was that five percent that comes my way of that? Is that yeah, right? That's
1: right. <laughs> that's right. So uh, no, it is. It is very exciting. We've as an organization have put a lot of our alumni to work. So you know we've got guys like Andrew Jones and Terry Pendleton and. And uh, Eddie Perez, and of course, you know the guys in the booth and pregame, all kinds of guys. So I, it makes me really proud because I see guys that are staying active, active in something that they're passionate about in the game, and whether it's Moilan and and Medlin and those guys yeah. doing the pregame. So I, it's been it's been a lot of fun for me to see the guys stay stay active because that's one of the things that we do. And Ricky's seen that w- whether it's fantasy camp or whether it's alumni Sundays, and alumni weekend. We really have a lot of buy-in from mm-hmm. the guys. Now it helps when you have over sixty-five guys that live in Atlanta. You know, of course, you know you have successful teams; people want to stay. Yeah. Feels like more sixty-five live here. Yeah, yeah, it does it's seem awesome. like more because I think some more are moving back, and and then we do bring guys in. Mm-hmm. So that, that happens a lot where guys will come in for different events. So I always appreciate I appreciate the work that you you've put in over the years, staying in the game and and so man, it j- yeah, it just really makes me proud when I see the guys. Come coming back yeah. and doing things, and I know the fans love it. I mean, that's part of the reason why we started this whole thing, you know, back in 2010 is that, yes, our brand is big, but our brand is also associated with the players that played the game, and when you can combine those two and you think about Ron Gant and what he's doing with Fox 5 and and just... Through, you know, you can go on and on and on with, you know, and there, we have guys in other organizations, but I think our organization has been really open to seeing a lot of our uh, former players come back and work. And that's been that's yeah, been great.
2: It has. It, it's amazing. And I told you this before, the work that you guys do here with the Alumni Association to me is one of the best in the game. Uh, it's interesting to me. I look back on my career and you know, I bounce around. I know who I am and, and what my career was and was fortunate to play here uh, for basically half a season before I'd gotten released. I give Paul Bird a hard time. He came off the IL <laughs> and we used to call it the DL back then, and I got released. We live pretty close to each other uh, now, and so it was him that got me ousted, in a way, I hope to out with me. Hey, but... <laughs> we got something in common because we got traded for one another yeah. between the Mets, so Bertie's <laughs> so always in the middle uh, of everything, but just to have, you know, it helps, obviously, like you said, to uh, put the uniform on. Same thing for me with the Rangers. I didn't play there very long at all, but to have put the uniform on helps a little bit, uh, no doubt, and, and, and for me, I'm, I'm grateful that I got to play here. You know, obviously, it became home for us, uh, and we've lived here, you know, we moved here about a year and a half later, after we played here, we just absolutely fell um, in love with it. So the community that you're talking about, I will tell you that after the first alumni weekend that we went to, my kids were, you know, I, was, I think, was it maybe 2012? I think I was still hanging on trying to play at the very end of my career. And so my kids obviously were a lot younger. They still talk about it. Yeah, and we they just would started me, it then. Yeah, they, and they would ask me all the time, Dad, are you going to be in town for alumni weekend? I look, I'm like, "Nah, no, I'm sorry, I'm going to be in Los Angeles. we got a game against the Angels. And they'd be so disappointed uh, because I, I want to say maybe I came to two of them because my youngest came to one as mm. well. But they just, they love that. So the families love it, the players love it. It's really nice to see what the organization does in that regard and and having you in charge of it and understanding the value of it. Uh, and you're right, I mean, fans really do like it. I mean, again, I feel like I, my career is so far behind me in my mind. I don't think about my playing career a lot. Um, but then you you run into fans here and there. That will, oh, I remember when you were there. I'm like, you
1: remember that? <laughs> I'm like, I try to forget that. <laughs> you know, what's interesting, I was talking with Kevin McAlpin a little bit earlier. We saw him in the lobby. And before that, we were discussing about when really, in my mind, the internet kind of took off, you know, back, I'm, I'm that old when the new when the internet took off. You were one of the first guys mm-hmm. that really grasped The whole idea of a blog and you were writing stories and you were doing, I mean, talk a little bit about kind of your mindset because you were kind of finishing out, you were really towards the end of your career when you started doing some of the writing, right?
2: Uh, actually, not too far into it. So I was drafted in 94 and I started writing in 97. Okay.
0: He was, the, uh, according to Wikipedia, yeah. which is always factual, he uh, was the first player to ever have his own uh, website. There we go. Yeah, yeah.
2: Totally unintentional. It was never an idea that I had. I wasn't looking to do it. But back then, before there was MLB.com, the team's websites were independently run and they all look different they were run by the local company that you might mm-hmm. hire to have your website. So the Astros had a website when I was there. And the guys that were running it came up to me and said, hey, would you be interested in writing a newsletter uh, if you make the team? I had just gotten traded there. And I was like, yeah, you know, if I make the team, yeah, that sounds pretty cool. You know, we'll try it. I didn't make the team. I got sent down to AAA. And they said, hey, would you consider doing it from the minor leagues? I'm like, listen, man, nobody is going to want to hear from a minor <laughs> leaguer writing stories about what it's like to be in the minor leagues, which if you think about it today, sounds like, no, of course people would be. We see that kind of stuff all the time. Uh, so I did it and I did this newsletter every every two weeks and at that point that's when New Orleans had just opened up that new ballpark they don't even have a triple team anymore uh, but it was a beautiful new ballpark and so it was fun they called it the big scoop on the big easy and I was shocked the very first one that I sent out I Gave my personal email address. I was like, oh, if you have any questions or whatever. Yeah. You know, again, it sounds <laughs> stupid now, right? But back then, I'm like, I don't, you sure? Here, here's my email address. And I got a note from a guy at Baseball America. He's like, hey, you may want to come up with a second email address. I'm giving people your personal information, which we did. And uh, so I saw it grow, and then I saw the interest that people actually were interested. What's life like in the minor leagues, behind the scenes, those kinds of things. And so I thought, well, instead of waiting every two weeks to get this newsletter, is there a way that I can just have something where they can go visit and they can see things and read things whenever they want to? And so light bulb went off and, and I started a website mm. and ended up having you know cjbaseball.com which um, for the most part had been pretty good for me I mean there was times where I was a little unfiltered you know something on my mind during my big league career I've been mad about going arbitration or whatever it may be and I'd write about it and those were mistakes that I certainly made that's why I'm very grateful that at the height of my career there was no social media um, because that's <laughs> you get things out there much quicker without a filter and so I'm grateful uh, for that part but yeah I completely fell into it it wasn't necessarily my idea Little videos, and of course the the footage. Now I go back and look; it's so grainy, mm. it looks terrible. But like, hey, here's the walk from the bullpen to the ballpark. I maybe go out early for batting practice or or something and show it and get some nice. some really
1: good feedback. McAlpin said that he actually emailed you. I don't know if you remember oh, is this. That right? He wondered if you remembered. You, he asked you how he Uh-oh. could throw a certain pitch, and you. He said you
2: responded, yeah, and that's the big thing. And I try to. It's the one thing about you know, obviously for the really big time players. There's just no way you can keep up with everything, especially on social media. But I always try to answer if I can. Uh, everybody, even with this, I was overwhelmed by the responses when they announced that I was going to be uh, in the Braves booth. And I was like, I want to make sure that I tell everybody thank you, even if they're just say, hey, welcome, congratulations, whatever it may be. So I've always been like that, where I'm very appreciative that anybody would ever care uh, what you're doing uh, to be in contact with you. And so if I can, I try to respond.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. So how I've always been fascinated by broadcasters, particularly t- the team broadcasters who are traveling with the team or around the team for upwards of six, seven, eight months sometimes, how you balance your your analysis with the relationships with the the players themselves. So obviously you want to be as honest as with your analysis on television as you can. And you also have to maintain relationships with these players that you're going to see and be around every day. And you've been in their shoes, yeah. obviously, with your long career. So how do you how do you balance, you know, you don't want to be overly critical of somebody, but also be honest on the air and still still kind of maintaining those relationships with the guys that you're you're analyzing in uniform.
2: Yeah, I think you'll always no, – it's not a goal, uh, but I think in your mind, you know you're probably going to upset somebody along the way. Not intentionally, just because I've always said when I had the uniform on, I was much more sensitive. You know, Kirk Gibson was in the booth when I was playing for Detroit, and I played with Gibby. We were teammates at one point, and I'd listen to him, and i get a little mad at some things that he would say. Now we have a great relationship when I see him. So there's some times when I think when you have the uniform on, you'll be a little bit more sensitive. But my approach to that whole situation is, first of all, you're a home broadcaster. And I want people to watch the games. I don't want to give them a reason not to watch the game or to be down on a player. When a player makes a real obvious mistake, I don't think like it's my job to point it out. We all know what happened. I don't think it's my job to harp on it. At the same time, you don't want to make excuses that are not legitimate either for a player. I think there's, you know, there's a balance in there. I'll, and it's how you say things, right? And so I'll use a Ranger example easier for me. Rude misses a routine ground ball you know, early in my career. And I'd say something like, you know, Rudy be the first one to tell you he probably should have caught that. Right. It's not like, oh, I can't believe he missed that. Right, that's Those reactions to me are going to get you in trouble real fast uh, with the team, and there's just no upside to it. I mean, I will say this. I think fans appreciate knowing that you're emotionally involved in what's going on in the field. That's the thing that probably took me by the biggest surprise when I went from national to local. A couple of months in doing Ranger games, I didn't realize how much I was actually going to care about how well they did on the field. Like, that happens fast. You're in. And whether there's, you know, losses, a losing streak, a winning streak, a guy gets thrown at. Right, Mike Napoli had uh, Lance McCullers Jr. threw a ball behind him one time in a game, and he felt those same emotions. That I know, Greg, you're, you remember that they. Oh, you're like, I'm not even play anymore. I'm not even on their team. Half of these guys may not even know my name, <laughs> but yet at the same time, here I am feeling that same emotion, and then of course, railing on the other guy. That's the easy win, right? Go ahead and get the Astro guy. Um, <laughs> you'll, you'll make a lot of you know friends that way. Uh, certainly, I think in in the booth, and I did have Jonathan Lucroy say to me one time. Uh, on the plane. He says, you know what, man? He goes, I really appreciate uh, having a broadcaster that really seems like he's got the players back. He's like, it's nice to have him. That meant a lot to me that he would even take the time uh, to say that. And so, yes, you have to keep, I think, your integrity uh, intact, certainly. And you don't want to make it fluffy. um, But there's no reason to to beat players up. And I have a list of things that I would try to remind myself of. I call it when broadcasting. It's about 15 different bullet points. And one of them is don't forget how hard this game is to play. And I think as a guy who had a pretty below average career, even though it was long, it's very easy for me to remember all the struggles and how hard it was. And I try to make sure I always bring that into my broadcast. Podcasting. And I would want to be put in check if I ever acted like something was easy. I would almost want someone to call me out on that.
1: Well, then you'd be like every other fan. <laughs> That's a good point. They just be, call you a fan. Yeah.
0: Um, so let's talk a little bit about the current Braves. So I was just checking your, uh, your Twitter timeline, X timeline, whichever you prefer out there. Um, and I, I saw you you had some things. You were retweeting, sharing some things about Chris Sale, which I thought was interesting. Uh, what do you think about that move, the Chris Sale move? I don't like a lot of moves with Alex over the years. It's a move that none of us saw coming. I At the beginning of each offseason, now people, that just friends or whatever, that are Braves fans will ask me. They know I work here. What do you think they're going to do? I was like, I stopped trying to predict <laughs> yeah. what Alex is going to do a long time ago. I just yeah. sit back and enjoy the ride. So yeah. uh, we'll start there. What did you think of the uh, the Chris Sale move? Yeah, Alex is playing 3D
2: chess. I mean, it really is kind of amazing because, you know, my work that I do with XM, we're focused on all the teams. And so we're looking at potential trade candidates, right? It's Dylan Cease, it's Shane Bieber, uh, Corbin Burns, right? These are the starting pitchers that people know that you could see make sense, could be trade candidates this offseason. Not once did Chris Sale's name come up, not once. Even the thought of it, because we're looking at the Red Sox down arms and saying they need to add. There's no way they're going to subtract from their rotation. And so the fact that they went out and did it the way that they did, and and Von Grissom I know as fans here know he can hit, Looks like he's going to have a place in the big leagues. But there was no really place for him here. It didn't seem like. Outside of an injury popping up, he was not going to get regular playing time. And so his value was, you know, not that it couldn't get higher, but it was probably near its peak. Um, And he did everything he possibly could in the minor leagues. And so while that's a a good hitter, uh, I think it's when you're comfortable uh, giving up based on the current status of your roster. And to be able to go out and get Chris Sale. And had to go dig in and do a little research. Because like most people, I stopped paying attention to the Red Sox, you know, toward the end of the year. And then realized, you know what, you got healthy again. His last two months were really strong velocity at times looked like the old Chris Sale And you have to be realistic about who he is at this point in his career. You're not asking him to be the ACE. You're not asking him to be a Cy Young candidate. You're looking for a guy that hopefully can give you five to maybe six innings, which I know if we said that during our day, we would get hammered, right? The idea of like, if I can just give you five good ones today, no one would ever want to hear that from a teammate, but things have changed. And he probably doesn't even think that way, quite honestly, but it works so well here because of the bullpen, because of the offense, uh, to have a guy that slides maybe into the fourth spot in your rotation uh, is pretty incredible. He finished the season strong. His strikeout rate, his swing and miss numbers, batting average against were all really good. His slider was really good. He was the top 10 pitcher in a lot of those categories over the last two months of the season. And again, you're asking him to be your number four. Uh, it was a really sneaky, stealth move that I think works out well. Obviously, the Braves believe in it and the fact that they went out and did the contract extension on top of it. Because at first, it looked like a one for you know essentially $10.5 million. I'm like, that's amazing. Uh, just that alone. And knowing they weren't paying that ten to what fifteen years down the road anyway, um, also amazing. And then they said, "You know, we actually want him to be comfortable. We think he's going to be better than uh, just a one-year guy." And I know he appreciated that. I saw the the comments from him. It was a great move. It was a really good move. I know they wanted a multi-control. Uh, Starter, it sounded like that was the story for them this year. in a way, they kind of got them.
1: Isn't it interesting uh, talking about Grissom's value that his, I think it was his first at bat in the big leagues was in Boston? He hit it out of the stadium. Yeah. First time so, I was there. Yeah. And it's, it's amazing. All I got to say is first impressions do matter. Do They do, right? People I remember, mean, no doubt. You know, uh, that's like you said, his value is questionable because you, you can't find him a spot to play in. And is there really value there? Why, if he was that good, why, would, why didn't you make a spot? And then, but, He goes to a team that saw him at his, you know, come and make a splash. Yeah, and they need a second
2: baseman. It's been a real hole for the Boston Red Sox. And, you know, for Craig Breslow, you know, former player now is their lead guy and their general manager. Um, You know, he sees an opportunity for a cost-controlled guy. I know that they don't love hearing that in Boston, uh, but that's the reality. you got six years of control with him.
0: So, in piggybacking off of just another roster question, is there anything that you're or any player that you're most excited to kind of get to see on an everyday basis? We've got a lineup that's I'll put up against anybody's, and it's it's I know for us it's certainly a blast coming to the park every day and watching this lineup over and over and over. So, is there any elements of the lineup or the team that you're especially excited to see on a daily basis? I mean,
2: it's hard not to say Ronald, right? I mean, just the idea of seeing that every day and seeing the highlights all season long in the year that he's coming off of, and, and actually watching it over the course of a full season is going to be pretty exciting especially with him being healthy and being at his peak right now. There's so many guys that did something that it was a career high for them last year. You know, I was I came from a team that had a really pretty incredible offense as well but this one is even better which is you know hard to imagine. They were the best in baseball by far. So I think watching the way that that works, knowing these guys are out there every day too is really impressive. I mean that's something that sticks out as much as what they actually do is that you have a bulk of those guys that want to be out there for something close to 162 games. I think I'm more fascinated and maybe it's just by nature what's going on with the bullpen and we know how much that's going to matter. The Aaron Bummer story to me I think is going to end up being a really good one here uh, in Atlanta. Is he going to be at the top of the bullpen? No, but what he is going to be able to bring to the table, him and Ronaldo Lopez and we'll see what happens with Ronaldo and whether or not he ends up starting. I I imagine he probably would get some starts this year, but either way, maybe being a multi-inning reliever it's another thing that's changed, right? If you were a multi-inning reliever, you were kind of a long guy you were the last guy, nobody gave you any respect now that is a really important role Role. again going back to what we do with starting pitchers and trying to protect them and, and certainly the Braves are going to be in that mode based on what's happened the last couple of years and some of the starters not being available come postseason time I think the length of the bullpen actually to me the way it could shape out as much as that offense is such a juggernaut and it will be the story and should be the story I think that'll kind of be the quiet background story that could be the backbone of this team.
1: Do you think uh, the transition was hard for you going from player, i talked to a lot of alumni now who they, they're they having a hard time fitting in to the new game, just the mindset. Do you feel like that you kind of had a mind for that uh, from the analytics side and, and then you had to really, did you have to immerse yourself into that as you've gotten into you know, broadcasting and doing your show and all that? Did that, did that come easy? Was that difficult? Did you fight it? What was I, that like it, for it's you? It's interesting because I think I would have fought it as a player a little
2: bit until I realized how much it could help me. And then for me now in this business, it becomes more about where's the game going? Right, and I did have to be honest about it. I've t- I talk to a lot of former players. That sometimes I feel like I'm their sounding board for what they hate about the game. Now, <laughs> tell them, uh, why do they got to do this? Why is it got to be this? Why can't we go back to instinct and all the other things? And, and I get it. And sure, we love that game, but the game has changed. And so, if I want to work in the business, uh, then I have to adapt. Now, the question becomes, how far do you go? Clint Hurdle, actually, when I was doing games for Fox, you know, always get the 15 minutes with the manager, and we were talking to him one day, and I asked him that very similar question, and I said, you know, tell me about you know your former colleagues and former you know teammates and stuff, and where you. Are because he's obviously right there and and as advanced as anybody in the game. He said, I told them all it's like either you're going to change or you're not going to be here. Um, And so that is a reality. It's a harsh reality. And I know there's a lot of back and forth. And I feel like we also see some reverting back to some of the old, right? There was always the back and forth where it seemed like it was a fight. Then it did. I think we got to a better place where we meshed a little bit more. Still going to be some pushback from the old school compared to the new school. But for me, my first year at Fox, uh, I actually worked with Gabe Kapler, who we know is really analytics heavy. He was a former teammate of mine in Detroit. And so he was very instrumental in answering a lot of my questions uh, and then me kind of going on my own journey trying to figure out, okay, now what works, right? Because I think there's a lot of different components to it. There is what organizations do to build a roster and the way that they look at things. And it's a lot different than uh, certainly we remember. Then there's what I do, which is help present the game, whether it's in a game or on on our show and trying to make it then digestible for fans, right? So then I have to figure out, okay, what metrics make sense that are going to be, you know, easy to understand. If I can't explain it in 10 seconds, I I leave it alone. Like there's some good numbers out there, no doubt that teams use uh, that, that are out there for the guys that really get into the weeds, even, you know, out there in the public space, I don't touch them. Because I just don't think they're digestible for fans. It doesn't mean I don't value them, but I'm not building a roster. I'm trying to keep people engaged in a game or on a radio show, and so I want to make it as as easy as I can for them. It's not to say that I know everything because I don't. That's the other thing. Make sure you know, be honest with yourself, and and don't think you know everything because there's always something new popping up, um, and then just you know, kind of figuring out that balance. And I don't think it's anybody's perfect at it. They're gonna, I'll be accused, I, which I think puts you in the right spot. When I'm accused of being too analytical or being too old mm-hmm. school, then I'm like, all right, if I'm getting both. To those criticisms i'm probably right where i need to be
0: last question for me so new broadcast new producers new partner all of that do you guys will you guys get together and do like a test run or will you just will you do some games in spring training and that'll be your your test but not really test because it's live i mean how do you guys prep uh with everything kind of being new and and a new team So we'll get together uh, next week a little
2: bit and talk and kind of get to know each other. Uh, But the first games will be those spring training games. Uh, The four that we usually do uh, will be the first time that I do something with uh, Brandon. Now, I've been through it before to to some degree. Now, I went to Texas. I did know my partner ahead of time, and we had done some things. Not very many, but a couple of kind of radio shows on the Internet uh, for MLB.com back in 2012 and then in 17 we became uh partners with the texas rangers but i don't think we'd ever done we might have done one amateur game um uh, together so that was all new i think the three years of national that i did help prepare me for something like this because i had a different partner every time Every time I did a game, it was always somebody, you know, I was doing about 15 games a year and at least 10 new partners. Uh, and so I got used to that and I felt like I could go with the flow and, and figure it out. And like I said, you look for the things and it's not always going to be perfect, especially early on. Hopefully we iron out anything we need to uh, in spring training. But quite honestly, that's why I've been watching so many games and going back and watching games and really trying to get a feel for brandon and where i think i can expect him to go and when he's going to leave it open for me and when he wants me to take it and and all those kinds of things so there's a lot of nuance to what we do and uh, hopefully we get it all uh you know flowing really well and i can uh do the job that he did last year because what he did last year and you mentioned it uh, first year accepted by the fans as quickly as he was and as quickly as he fit in was amazing that is not easy to do especially when you're talking
1: about a fan base this big I agree. Yeah, that was, I don't know, I think he just, when Ricky and I first met him, we just thought, man, this guy's going to really do well. And of course, I mean, he's got a good supporting cast there. I mean, with Frenchie and and Glav, they they did a great job too. But I felt like, of course, the games I got to see, right? (laughs) We talked about that earlier. The games I got to see, they were really, really good. Uh, but no, Authentic, was I think, for him, right? <laughs> yes, Yeah. There's a lot of frauds in our business. That's right. just a reality of the situation. Right. He didn't uh, seem fake at all. No. He seemed like that. Uh, he, and I think that that's obviously goes a long way. Yeah, it does. Genuine
2: people, uh, really important. It's something I thought about you, you brought up earlier when it came to the criticism. I think you'll appreciate this. Something my wife told me at the very beginning, and we may have talked about this last time, but when I first started doing team games, once I became a team broadcaster, she goes, hey, don't forget when the team is on the road is when the wives are watching the broadcast. And she's like, that's when you better watch yourself the most because that's when she would get mad, right? Because there's times where I come home and she's like, oh, this guy said this and this guy said that. Then wow. you have to be careful that's too because point. it's, you know, sometimes it's second and third hand. And so maybe somebody in your family thought they heard something but didn't really <laughs> receive it the way it was meant to go across air. And then they tell the
1: player something else and then he's mad and annoyed. Um, but that's something that I'm always uh, a weary well, of. Well, that's interesting. How many times did you felt like that you had to go up and talk to a player because something was misconstrued or. You really did say something that maybe you regretted. Uh it hadn't happened yet. Oh
2: uh, yeah. That's so good. I've been fortunate that way. I mean I I feel like if I mess something up I will correct it. Or if I felt like I took a different tone. It may have happened where a player was upset, uh, but I never had a situation where I felt like, oh, I better go say something to him. I feel like more often than not, I'm trying to back the players as much as possible. Again, remember how tough the game is to play and support them through their struggles. Because when they're doing well, that's the easy part. That's when you just sit back and just call the game. When they're struggling, do six years in Texas, that's when you have to work really hard. Like, you know, the idea of losing more than 100 games the way the Rangers did a couple of years ago, to me, that is some of our, for me, our more prouder moments as broadcasters. Like, we, you know, pick up some Emmys those years like those were tough years wow. yeah. and so the idea that you could somehow keep fans engaged and you know get a note every once in a while I hey, know it's a terrible season but I appreciate your guys effort like that means a lot because once the team's doing well everybody's watching ratings are up that's
1: the easy part of the job yeah that's kind of like the teams that when everybody's going well everybody's got character when oh, yeah. they're not they're a bunch of jerks <laughs> yeah, yeah. <Greatest laughs> ever. yeah that's right <laughs> I,
0: I just flash back to uh, my my dad's NASCAR career if a writer or something ever said something about him he didn't like it. Didn't bother him at all. The person who was firing off an angry email or was upset is <laughs> my mom. Sharon, Sharon right. Mass was going to fire off an angry email, <laughs> yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. that's that so true. I hadn't right. thought about that in a couple decades, that's but great. That is, that's 100% that's one hundred percent
1: right. Yep. Well, this was fun. Thank you so much for making the effort and coming down and hanging out with us, CJ. Uh, Best of luck this year, and hopefully we'll do this again, and we'll get an update from you maybe in the middle of the season, see how things are going. Yeah, I look forward to even next offseason when we're talking about how I figured out how to win back-to-back World Series. There we go. Let's go. Yeah, because you're not going to be able to get to wear the Texas ring here, so sorry.
2: (laughs) No, only when we play the Astros, if that's (laughs) all right.
1: I like that. There we go. We'll
0: deal with that. Nice. Thank you, CJ. We appreciate it, man. My pleasure. Thanks for having me, guys.